This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 71, and we are recording on March 7th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. And you are you are in a new city now. I'm in Philadelphia, yeah. where it is drizzling like it should in March. <laughs> the weather is finally appropriate. <laughs> Bye, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty oh. much the same. I was um for those of you who follow me on Instagram, you will know that I was just in Spain because it's all I posted for a week, and I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, do not be sorry. <laughs> I saw so many like wall size paintings of the Virgin Mary in blue dresses. I <laughs> don't ever need to see another one. Uh, so many tourists. But the weather was the same. It was like drizzly and cold, which is actually kind of nice. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little less terrifying than like the 80 degrees that it was last week. And then the next day it was like 20 degrees. And I was like, I hate you global warming, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so yeah. So that's our uh, weather update for the week. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a weather. There really is. It's because, I think it's because when I film, I'm like facing a window. So the same. Okay. Same. <laughs> so I'm always like, huh. It's kind of kind of gloomy. Okay. Yeah. So for those of you who are new to our show, like I said, this is a show for personalized reading recommendations. So you can send your reading requests to us, or reading recommendation requests, excuse me, to us, and we will answer them on the show. So you can email them to us, book riot, or get booked at bookriot.com, or you can drop your recommendation request into the show notes at the bottom of, or into the form. Wow, you can tell I've been on vacation. You can drop them into the form at the bottom <laughs> of the show notes on the site. Um, and these, of course, can be anything. If you're looking for, you know, you loved X title and want something similar, you need something for your book club or a gift to give somebody, whatever. We'll answer all of them. We do um, email some people our recommendations if we've answered your question on the show before or if it's time sensitive and we're not going to get to it in time, we will email you back. Um, and, oh, if it is time sensitive, please include that in the um, subject line of the email or if you uh, submit your recommendation request via the form, then put it into the first line. Just time-sensitive big letters so that we can get to it in time. <clears throat> okay. So I think Jen told you last week, yes, while I was out, that yes. we have moved the format a little bit. We were doing six questions, two recommendations apiece. Now we're moving to seven questions and one recommendation apiece just so we can get uh, three more questions every show. And and you don't really need four for every question that you ask us. We so. <laughs> I mean, can I just say it's actually, it's both easier and harder because picking only one is like, <laughs> oh God, the pressure is high. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like... But yeah, I find myself, you know, if somebody wants to read a book about Scotland, the research mm-hmm. for coming up with two that I haven't mentioned yes. before is like, well, now I'm going to go to the library and check out every book that they've read, ever mm. had about Scotland, and I have to read it in a week. And that's just yep. not working. So, nope. Wasn't going to work. Okay, so we're going to move on to our first question, which Jen is going to read, and then I will give us our first sponsor information, and we will do the other thing. So go, go, Gadget. Do, we're doing the thing. Here we go. Question one is from Rosa, who says, I am fascinated with Brazil, and I'm looking for books that talk about Brazilian culture, history, and or music. I prefer fiction and historical fiction. I am not opposed to nonfiction. I listen to Brazilian music and want to teach myself Portuguese. I have read almost all of Paulo Coelho's books. My favorite books include 100 Years of Solitude, A Fine Balance, and Interpreter of Maladies. Any suggestions you have for me would be much appreciated. 
Okay. Okay. So our first sponsor, before we answer this question, is The Bone Witch, which is a new first novel in a, first novel in a new fantasy series from Rin Shupeko, who some of you may have read her YA books, uh, The Suffering and The Girl from the Well, which are creepy horror YA novels. This is not horror. It does, it's a fantasy series, but it does have some kind of like eerie magical elements. So um, it's been described as Memoirs of the Geisha meets The Name of the Wind, which is maybe the most... I have so many. I have so many questions (laughs) about that. Like, what? Whatever. I what? That's words mean. I know. Do words mean? It's amazing. It's amazing. So, um, the synopsis of the first book in the series. It's about a a girl named Tia. Um, She comes from a family of witches, but her gift is a little bit different. She has the gift of necromancy and makes her what they call a bone witch, which is a kind of feared and ostracized position to be in in this in this world. Um, And so she's got all of this really big power. But of course, as often happens in fantasy novels, great power comes with a great price. So she has to leave her homeland to train under the guidance of another bone witch to figure out how to, you know, keep her powers under control. So she's putting all of her energy into that, learning how to control her magic and learning how to control the the beasts in the universe who have to submit to this magic. Um, And she doesn't know if she's capable of doing all of these things that are required of her. And also, while all of that is going on, war is coming that she thinks is probably going to end up threatening the sovereignty of her homeland and the lives of everybody that she loves. So look at that. A way for her to use her magic for some good, maybe. So if you are into fantasy YA, um, maybe a little bit of creepy, witchy kind of books, then this is just up your alley. It's The Bone Witch by Rin Chupeko, and it's coming from Sourcebooks. So go check that out. Okay. I will just keep going. So Brazilian books. So my... um, not first, my only, because that's what we're doing now, pick for you, is <laughs> City of God, uh, which is by Paulo Lins, and it's translated by Allison and Traken. <clears throat> and this is, uh, you've probably seen, it's a movie, so the movie is based on the book, not the other way around. So you can go watch it if you want. Um, this is a novel based on reality, so it's based on the author Paulo Lins' experience growing up in um, what's called uh Cicada de Dios, the city of God, which is one of Rio de Janeiro's like most notorious and crime-ridden slums. He got out and became a photographer and an author, um, and that was not the case for most of the people that he grew up with. So the book is, it's super long. It's like 500 pages, and it has almost no real plot. It's just snippets of life of these kids growing up in this slum in Rio. And it's very, very violent. It's a lot about the cycle of violence of growing up in that kind of poverty and an area that's mostly lawless. Um, And all the kids that you follow are trying to get out. They're trying to make something of themselves. But for them, making something of yourself can also mean like murdering a crime boss and taking over his spot because then you're wealthy and you get to feed your family. So it's a really interesting look at poverty um, in general, but also the very specific kind of cultural poverty from this neighborhood and neighborhoods like it in Rio, because like their, um, the way their spirituality, for example, is really interesting. It's a combination of like African religions and then some native, uh, brilliant Brazilian, uh, religious beliefs. And, uh, there is a very helpful guide in the beginning for the terms, which I found a little bit confusing, but it's, uh, you know, lots of trigger warnings. It's very violent, obviously. It's mostly about gang life, uh, but it's just, it's like moving and obviously a, a really, um, just fascinating look at a particular story or part of life in Brazil that uh, isn't hasn't really been told. So that City of God by Paulo Lins. I picked the War at the excuse me the War of the End of the World by Mario Vargas Llosa, which was translated by Helene Helen R Lane. I can speak. I can't. <laughs> um, 
And I picked it partly because uh, it's a classic and partly because I was just reading about the fist fight that Mario Vargas Llosa had with um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez (laughs) back in the day. And they like released like what it was about somewhat recently. And then then it just all came flooding back. Anyway, it's one of my favorite literary stories. Um, But The War of the End of the World is a novelization of an actual historical uh, battle. Uh, I think it was like the bloodiest civil war in Brazilian history. Um, in It happened at the end of the 1800s. A bunch of, you know, settlers who were pre- predominantly poor religious people um, took over this sort of uh, baron's land and made, like, a settlement where they were practicing, like, free love and no taxes and shared property and all of these sort of revolutionary values, which obviously cannot, we cannot have yeah. that. Um <laughs> So the the newly formed Republic of Brazil sent, like, kept trying to get it disbanded until they finally sent, like, a huge army um, to wipe them out. And so this is a novelization of that, and it's 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 really dense. It's like, like, you mentioned 100 Years of Solitude. This is a very similar book in that, like, there are a ton of characters. You jump around from person to person. You get, like, really deep into the, you know, daily life of these characters. Um, but you can see it building as it goes along to this inevitable endpoint. Like, you kind of already know what's going to happen because this is a historical retelling um but like that he's doing a really good job of keeping me on the edge of my seat as I read and like where we're going uh so it's yeah it's super dense it's super fascinating it is historical fiction I feel like I nailed this one I was like yes I'm actually giving you what you asked for which is not always true so so that's the war of the end of the world by Mario Vargas Llosa All right. Question two is from Annalisa. She says, let's see, um, I volunteer to help refugee families navigate being in a new country with all the cultural, economic, linguistic, etc. differences that that entails. The adults in the family I'm currently helping speak no English, and some of them are completely illiterate, having spent the last 10 years in a refugee camp. They're taking EFL classes, so they're getting grammar and that sort of thing, but I was wondering if there were any early literacy or picture books aimed towards adults that you could recommend. I dropped this question to my local librarian, and she came up with the idea of trying graphic novels or comic books, which I think is genius. Um, Let's see. I looked at all of the kids' graphic novels you recommended on previous podcasts, but they all lean towards science fiction and fantasy. I'd like to find ones that are more realistic to help them navigate this new culture they've been dropped into. Um, so to sum up, I would like recs for early literacy books appropriate for adults, preferably ones that are at uh, my library so I could teach the family how to get them for themselves. Okay. Um, so the, so you mentioned graphic novels and comics. So I went with that because I do think that that's a great way, um, to, to start with like literacy, things like that. So the one that I picked is called America Town. It's by Bradford Winters and Larry Cohen. And I picked this one because I think that they will find it a little, relevant to their situation in in this world it's not it's like it's it's kind of an alternate reality so it's not science fiction or fantasy strictly it's still like normal um world stuff but in this alternate reality there's an, an economic collapse in america and other sorts of you know um social disasters that have happened around the world so americans are now refugees we are the the main characters are fleeing um, along with several back characters are fleeing America and going to other countries as refugees and immigrants to look for better lives for themselves and their families. Um, and so this one takes place, I think, in Buenos Aires. And the main character's name is Owen, and he has just arrived and is looking to uh, bring his family back together because they're splintered um, because of the 
you know, economic and political situation. And he's trying to bring them back together and start a new home um, and all that kind of thing. It's um, obviously got parallels to their situations, which I think since you were saying they have like a fish out of water feeling that might be um, make it easier or they might relate more, I guess, to the content. Uh, This is... I am actually not sure if it went into graphic novel form, so you might only be able to find it in single issues, and I don't think most libraries carry single issues, um, but you can find them online pretty easily. So that's America Town by Bradford Winters, and it's drawn by Larry Cohen. Speaking of not actually giving you what you're asking for, <laughs> I am recommending an author, uh, Gene Lewin Yang, who is amazing. We've recommended him before. He's incredible. Um, and his books do tend to have a little bit of the fantastical about them, but they're so perfect for this that I couldn't stop myself. Um, I'm thinking specifically of American Born Chinese and Shadow Hero, both of which are about immigrants uh, and, you know, adjusting to life in America. So American Born Chinese is about a kid named Jim Wang who just wants to fit in and they move to a new neighborhood and he's the only Chinese American kid at school and he gets picked on um, and he likes a girl, but she's, you know, white and it's hard. And then there's this like interwoven story about the monkey king from Chinese fables. um, And there's this character who's like the ultimate Chinese stereotype type who's like ruining Danny's life at school and anyway it's all uh it's all in there um and so yeah so and then Shadow Hero is about a uh family in San Francisco like I think it's pre-World War One I, I want to say um or it's in between World War One and World War Two I can't remember but anyway they are an immigrant family and in, in San Francisco and um also struggling to assimilate and what does it mean. And then, of course, there's, like, a small superhero origin story. But really the bulk of it is about trying to, like, find who you are in this new place that you are in. Um, and he's just so good. And he's, like, the ambassador for reading or whatever the title is. Uh, and his books are really beautifully drawn. And, I mean, the words are, like, not so complex, but they're also not talking down. Like, I just think he's really good. So you should give those a try. So really anything by Jean Luen Yang, but I'm thinking specifically of American-born Chinese and Shadow Hero. <clears throat> Oh, and it's me. Okay, the next question is from Kayla, who says, I'm less than five months from my wedding, and my fiancé and I are going to Ireland for our honeymoon. Neither one of us has ever been. I love reading books, any books, about and set in places that I'm planning to visit. I've already read Angela's Ashes, and that pretty much exhausts my knowledge of Irish literature. Do you have any recommendations for books about or set in Ireland? Fiction or nonfiction would be welcome. Bonus points for anything wedding, romance, or love-related. I'm just going to keep talking because I'm really excited about (laughs) Um, So let me introduce you to Morgan Llewellyn, who is like the... What's the metaphor I'm reaching here? She's like the Philippa Gregory of Irish historical fiction, I want to say. Like, she does all of these like oldie time drama romance stories set in Ireland's history. Um, and the one I'm recommending specifically is Grania, She King of the Irish Seas, because best. <laughs> um, and it's about a real life person uh, named Grace O'Malley is her like English name. Um, and she was like, you know, living in the 16th century, but who rose to become the unofficial head of her clan um, and was like a pirate and like threatening, you know, the English on the high 
high seas. And then she went to England to have a meeting with Queen Elizabeth. And then her, like, first mate is in love with her. And, oh, there's so much going on in this story. It's so much fun. Um, I tore through these when I was a teenager. I just read, like, all of her stuff. And they're very satisfying. Like, they're very much, you know, you get a little bit of the history. You get a little bit of the love and the romance. And they're just very entertaining and enjoyable. Um... And based on real things, not like super accurate, but based on real things. So that is Grania, She King of the Irish Seas by Morgan Llewellyn. Okay, mine has no romance, I'm sorry. Mostly it just has murder and dying. So it's <laughs> whatever. It's In the Woods by Tana French, which is the first book in her Dublin Murder Squad uh, mystery crime thriller series, um, which are amazing. And it's kind of funny because Dublin doesn't actually have a murder squad, but whatever. So um, the conceit of this series is that each book, each new book in the series takes the perspective of another, of a different detective in, in the murder squad and you follow them. So so, like, the main character in each book is, like, a back character in all the other ones. Um, so it's a nice line of connection. Uh, in the first one, the main character is Adam Ryan, who is a um, murder detective, a homicide detective in Dublin. Um, and his backstory is that in the 80s, he grew up in the su- in a suburban neighborhood outside of the city uh, in Ireland. And he had two best friends. And one day when they were, I think, 12, they were out in the woods um, that surrounded their neighborhood playing, as they did pretty much every day. Uh, They didn't come in for dinner on time, Um, so, you know, eventually the police were called, and as they searched the woods, they found Adam clinging to a tree with his shoes full of someone else's blood, and the other two children were never found. And he does, he has no memory, like, his mind is complete blank about what happened that day, and what happened to him his entire childhood, he's he's pretty much just forgotten. And so 20 years later, he works as a homicide investigator, and a little girl is found murdered in the same woods where his uh, friends went missing. And so he's assigned with his partner the case, of, and he doesn't reveal that he's got a connection to that area. Um, and so he goes, you know, the book follows him as he solves this murder and tries to determine if it's connected to what happened to him so that he can recover his memory and all that kind of thing. Um, it's got... I mean, I know it's not like romance or honeymoon or wedding related or anything like that, but it's such an interesting slice of life picture of like modern Irish living. Even, I mean, not the murder parts, but like there's a lot in here about small town politics, uh, which function on a completely different, well, not completely different, but like a really interestingly different way from what I'm used to reading about. Um, it's not like, you know, your stereotypical whatever tea, Irish beer, Irish stereotype insert here kind of stuff, but like actual day to day grind of living as a you know a bureaucrat a bureaucrat or a police officer or a middle class person in the suburbs that kind of thing um so i really really loved it tana french is an excellent writer i did not see the the solution coming so that's nice so that's in the woods by tana french and it's you again. <laughs> huh it's you again oh it's me yes it? yo you're right okay so this is from lizzie Lizzie Busy, hey, okay, who says, I <laughs> All right. I found myself really only enjoying books that blend urban fantasy with mystery, but that still have a decent romance in them as well. I found a new love in William Ritter's Jacoby series and Beastly Bones, which is the sequel, and have since then not really enjoyed anything else. I find other books fascinating and intriguing, but they just don't have that magic I felt while reading these books. Uh, and the books in general that I read was in high school. On the flip side, I'm about to graduate college and would really like to find something similar to William Ritter's series that have a more that are at a more adult level. <clears throat> okay, so I will keep going. The one that I picked for you is The Magpie Lord by K.J. Charles, which is also the first in a series called A Charm of Magpies. It's historical uh, romance fantasy mystery 
mystery. It's uh, it's very similar to the Jacoby stuff, but uh, is a gay romance and takes place, I think, a little bit uh, before. Like the Jacoby series, I think, is Victorian, right? So this one, I think, is a little bit before that. So the main character here, his name is Lucian, and he has lived in China for 20 years because he did not get along with his family. His brother and father have died mysteriously, and so he's returning to England, and he is now an earl, right? He's inher- inherited this earldom. But he has also inherited all of his family's enemies and problems and his parent his brother and his father were both kind of psychopaths like actual murdering raping horrible people psychopaths who ruined other people's lives for fun and so he has come back and has to like and like has all these messes to face um and someone also is trying to kill him with magic which puts a you know like a little bit of a knot in his day (laughs) attempted murder um so he hires a magician named steven to come get rid of this like these like magical assassination attempts and to find out who's behind him and etc what he doesn't realize is that Stephen has reasons to hate his family his own reasons um, and so the two of them have to navigate um, all of these like murder attempts and find out what sort of magic is behind it and also they're like falling in love at the same time um, and Stephen I mean um, Lucian the Earl is like trying to figure out how to fix all these horrible things that his family did when he was gone etc cetera, etc cetera. the magic in this is amazing it's this like gritty really based on like blood and bone kind of it's not um, it's not like osseo whatever <laughs> like there's there's no wands and there's no um, I don't know. It's just really, it's very like based on body, like bodies and dirt and like, it's very elemental, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I'm like, there's no way to describe, earthy? That's not right. It's not like, it's not like leaves and stuff. It's like, you get a, you get a spit on something to cast a spell on it, like that kind of thing. Um, and the universe that she built is great. And so the mystery part is figuring out who's behind, like trying to kill him and why, because he's been gone for 20 years. So who knows? Um, but it's so page turnery. The, the romance is really charming. Um, both of the characters are great for their own different reasons. And I just love it a lot. So that's the Magpie Lord by KJ Charles. All right, my pick for you is the Bone Street Roomba series by Daniel Jose Older, um, because you said you wanted urban fantasy and mystery, and that has a decent romance, which these definitely do. They are much more, cont- I mean, they are 100% contemporary rather than historical, so it's like a little off to the side of what you've been reading already, but maybe that will help, because it's not so similar that you'll be trying to compare it with Jacoby. Um And so the main character in the first one, Half Resurrection Blues, is Carlos, who is... Half dead? I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's alive, but he's not alive. Like, he's been dead before, so he's undead. He's undead. Um, and he is kind of a fixer for the New York Council of the Dead. Uh, he goes around el- eliminating supernatural threats, um, and somebody is messing with New York City, um, specifically Brooklyn and, like, you know, deep Brooklyn, not, like, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> and, um, oh, and so, yeah, well, it's true. Uh, I mean, I lived there, I know. And so, um, and so Carlos is sent to try to figure out, like, what the heck is going on. And there's, like, demon imps, and there's a mysterious woman who he falls for, and there's all of this backstory, and he doesn't really know who he was when he was alive. And, like, it's just, it's really intense. There's battles, and there's magic, and there's, you know, sort of, like, footwork, trying to figure out who's in charge of what. And there's these two, like, snarky ghosts who are sort of his 
friends and helpers who are very entertaining. Uh, and, and the series just unfolds from there. I think there are three of them out now. Did the third one come out? Yes, it did. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot to love here. I think you will dig them. Um, and yeah, new series to hopefully delight you. So that is the Bone Street Rumba series by Daniel Jose Older. The first one is Half Resurrection Blues. Mm-hmm. And it's my turn again. Okay, my turn twice. So our second sponsor is The Spaceman of Bohemia by Jaroslav Kelfar. I hope I said that right. Um, which I just finished and I'm super excited that it's a sponsor because it is a banana pants book. Um, it is about uh, Czechs, the Czech Republic's first man in space. Um, it takes place in 2018, so like super near future. And all is super plausible up to a certain point. But um, So they send, they're sending Jacob into space to examine this weird galactic phenomenon there's this giant dust cloud um, between the Earth and Venus, and they want to find out what it is, like what's in that space dust, what is going on with this. Um, and so through like some political wheeling and dealing and a bunch of corporate sponsors, the Czech Republic sends up a spaceship first. Um, he's the first man to go to this dust cloud and collect the stuff. And he's a scientist who is then trained to be an astronaut specifically for this mission. So he gets out there, and then maybe there's like a giant alien spider in the spaceship with him, and everything goes wrong and in the meantime his wife like he's left behind his wife on earth and she is not happy about it as you might not be when your husband goes on an eight months possibly like deadly space mission uh and it's one of those books that you like half the time you're like wait so is this really happening or not um and the other half of the time you're like oh man like this speaks to me on a deep and fundamental level so it's a really satisfying read i definitely recommend it uh, and that is spaceman of bohemia by jaroslav kalfar okay question five is from lynn who says today a coworker asked me if we have feminism where i'm from which is canada i it's really hard to read this question out loud you guys <laughs> And if I think we still need it here in the USA, I was not even remotely prepared to do 101 with him. What's a good accessible book I can give to a guy who thinks we don't need feminism anymore? Help me, Book Riot. You're my only hope. Oh, can boy. we just? <laughs> can like, could we not? Could, could we not? You are a saint and a yes. lovely person for, like, being willing to do this because I feel like I would just ignore him for the rest of my life. Um, mm. Okay. Do you want me to go? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I got go, like distracted go. by my rage. No, no. I know. <laughs> <clears throat> wow. I mean, he could just like talk to the woman standing in front of him and believe her when she talks. But you know, whatever. Fine. Yeah, you guys I do know. Okay. Right. So my pick for you is We Should All Be Feminists by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, which I picked for several reasons, most of which that it's short. Uh, if you're going to introduce somebody to a topic that they don't have a lot of faith in or that if they're not necessarily approaching the idea in good faith, um, Maybe the shorter, the better. It's also based on a TED Talk. So if you think that maybe he is actually like not going to be willing to sit down and read something about the idea, maybe just watching like a 10 or 15 minute TED Talk, um, he would be possibly more open to it. Also, um, I picked this one because Chimamanda is from, I forget where she's from, Nigeria? Is that right? I think it's Nigeria. Um, And has lived in the U.S. for a while, but she has a very international idea about what feminism is. She's not just talking about white women in the U.S. and the problems that they've faced. She's talking about international ideas about gender uh, inequality, which I think um, if you don't think that feminism is necessary, looking at it from that perspective might be helpful. Also, she talks about how feminism 
um, is important for men and boys, which obviously if you're giving this to a guy, he might be more open to that perspective because, you know, she talks a lot about how, when, for example, it, we, we make emotions out to be a feminine, a, a feminine and therefore negative thing for people to have. So men aren't allowed to express their emotions, uh, which can cause a lot of mental health problems for men and boys and unfair standards that we place on men and boys for their behavior because we don't want them to be quote unquote girly, that kind of thing. So um, the ideas that she's presenting about how feminism is helpful, not just for women, but for everyone uh, is maybe going to be a little more palatable to somebody who is a little hostile to the concept in general. Um, So that's We Should All Be Feminist by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, which I think Sweden Hands out to every 16-year-old. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> So go check that out. <laughs> um, my pick, <laughs> I don't know, hopefully it's not too on the nose, but I've seen men reading this I on the subway. I love it. So uh, it's Men Explain Things to Me by Rebecca Solnit. <laughs> um, no, okay, so this book, also very short, super short, um, and super accessible, is based on uh, experience Rebecca Solnit had. It uh, came out of this cocktail party where a man was explaining a best-selling book to her, and she was like, I wrote that book. And he was like, no, 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 and like continued to explain to her the book that she, in fact, wrote until finally somebody else was like, no, no, really. <laughs> She wrote, she wrote that book that you're telling her about. And obviously this is an extreme example of a very common problem, which is that men have a tendency to assume they know things and that women don't know those things. Um, and that a lot of conversations develop along lines that are unnecessarily condescending or antagonistic because of those assumptions. Um, and after the original essay, when they put this book together, they included a few extra things, um, including a look at like the scope of, for example, contemporary violence against women. Um, and like a thoughts on marriage equality. And Rebecca Solna is a really good, clear, precise, and direct writer. Um, I don't think, like it is, I mean, it, it, it the topic comes with its own snarkiness, but I think that she really does try to be straightforward and like, you know, factual and even-handed as much as is possible given the circumstances. Um, and I don't know, I just, I find her writing style really uh, solid. And um, I mean, it, it really is a thing. I mean, this is where mansplaining comes from, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's a that's a real thing, um, which is based in the patriarchy. And we should all know about it. So <laughs> so that's Men Explain Things to Me by Rebecca Solnit. The face that I would make handing this to this person, this guy. <laughs> Maybe you can like wrap it in like wrap them nicely, gift wrap them, put them in a little bag or something, and like let the, let him discover them on his lunch. Please break. open this when I am gone. <laughs> yeah, just put it in his mailbox. It's a little awkward, but so good. But so good. Yeah, very useful. Okay, question six is from Amy. Amy says, when I was young, I was always obsessed with Robin Hood. I'd read some children's books, watched the movies, of course, and when I was in middle school, I liked the BBC series. Now I'm older, but really like the Robin Hood legend still and would love to read some books about it, but all I can find are children's books. Nothing against children's lit, but I'd like to read some more mature books on the subject. Thanks in advance. (laughs) I'm sorry, Siri just uh, clicked because... I thought I was asking how old Robin is. Okay. No. <laughs> how old is Robin? I, I have no answer is what series. Siri doesn't know. Right, okay. Well. So my recommendation for you is The Sheriff of Nottingham by Richard Kluger. This came out in the early 90s. And as the title suggests, it's a retelling of the Robin Hood myth 
or legend. I don't, I kind of don't know the difference. Legend, I suppose. Um, from the perspective of the Sheriff of Nottingham. Of course, in like, you know, the Disney version that we've all seen with the fox, who I had a really weird crush on as a child, can I just say? Okay, you are not the only one. It's, I was not one of these people, <laughs> but it, it, like, you have no idea how many times people have confessed this how to me. How is that? I feel it's a thing. so weird. Like, the fox was responsible a for a lot of romantic awakenings for children of the 90s, I think, <laughs> you know? Which is a strange, it's a strange thing to, to know about yourself. Disney, warping children's minds forever. Since forever. <laughs> Um, so as we have all experienced having watched the weirdly sexual fox in the Robin Hood, uh, from Disney, uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham is not a, uh, good guy. Um, and so in this retelling, he's not, um, <clears throat> he's not a bad guy either. It's like, he's just a very rigid, he's just a guy with a very rigid moral code and everything is very black and white for him. And so his point of view about, um, the things that like Robin Hood and his merry men are doing is based on, it's very like Jean Valjean, you know, like you've broken the law, you're going <laughs> to prison and that's all there is to it. That doesn't make me a bad person, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a more sympathetic um, reimagining. And it's also a clunker and written in some really old style uh, language, like T.H. White kind of wants a future king sort of thing. Cause it's from, you know, that same sort of time period um, mythologically or legendarily or whatever because <laughs> I apparently don't know the difference between words today. Um, but th it's it's uh, really uh, like intensely researched historical fiction. So there's a lot of stuff about like King John and his problems with the Pope and like deep dives into those uh, sorts of conflicts and how it affected life in the countryside and like the economic situations that led to the, the uprising of somebody like Robin Hood who was robbing uh, the nobles and giving them to the poor people. So <clears throat> it's a much more grown-up... It reminds me a lot of, like, the Miss of Avalon kind of thing, like a, a really, really adult um, and more kind of possibly nuanced look at a myth that we are all very familiar with. So that's The Sheriff of Nottingham by Richard Kluger. Yeah, I was I was obsessed with Robin Hood, the human <laughs> Um and, <laughs> I mean, I liked that movie. The Kevin Costner one? like... Oh, um, well, that one, too. And there's also, let's not forget, Robin Hood Men oh, in Tights, which yes. is, you know, a classic. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I read a lot of Robin Hood books, uh, and I, I'm i picking one for you that I have really odd memories of, but I remember it also kind of fondly. It's The Lady of the Forest by Jennifer Roberson, which came out in the early 90s. And is problematic like war. <laughs> um, it is a very historically grounded uh, retelling of Maid Marian and Robin Hood. Um, and so, but like, okay, so we're going to Robert of Loxley and Marian of Ravenskeep. And um, he is a knight or a soldier back from the Crusades, and he has PTSD, like really intense PTSD. Um, and he, which like leads to all kinds of intense and some sexual intense situations. Um, yeah, it's like, it's got a lot of things going on. <laughs> it's got on a lot of it. things. I hope you're, like, I hope you're, it's R-rated. Let's just go with that. It's R-rated. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of things. It, But there's also a lot of history in it. Like, if you read the reviews on Goodreads, people are like, there was too much history in this. Mm. And I'm just like, well, clearly you value different things in your books, which is fine. Um, so like a lot of sex, a lot of history, a lot of 
things happening about Robin Hood that you are not like it goes way deeper than like yeah the Kevin Costner movie for example which is very you know sort of pseudo realistic but this is even more so so that is Lady of the Forest which is actually the first book in a trilogy which I didn't realize I have not read the other ones I have no idea if they're any good um and that is by Jennifer Roberson all right Okay, and the next question is me. Last question. All right, is from Emily R., who says, for the, first, for the past few years, I have read several books about ill-fated or nearly ill-fated ocean voyages. My absolute favorite was Hampton Sides in the Kingdom of Ice, but I've also enjoyed Endurance, The Terror in the Heart of the Sea, and Island of the Lost. I've also read nearly all of John Krakauer's early works that focused on the outdoor world. Now I'm looking for some new reads that focus on the great and terrible beauty of the natural world. Can be set in either warm or cold climate, but the natural world needs to be a major character in the story. Thanks for any suggestions you can send my way. All right, Amanda, go for it. All right, my pick is Welcome to the Goddamn Ice Cube by Blair Braverman, which is such an <laughs> excellent title. title. I know, I love it. Uh, this is a memoir um, about Blair Braverman's life. Uh, she's actually quite young. I feel like she's she's probably in her mid-30s, maybe. Um, she is from California, and then at a very early age, uh, because of family travel stuff, she really fell in love with, like, the Arctic, like super cold climates. So at 19, she leaves her home. She moves to Norway for a um, to attend a folk school, which is like a year where you learn how to drive sled dogs and survive in the Arctic wilderness and that sort of thing. And then when she leaves the folk school, she uh, moves to Alaska to work as a uh, tra- like a tour guide for tourists who are coming onto the glacier where the um, her job is to learn how to drive sled dogs or to spend a day there uh, seeing what driving sled dogs is like. Um, so... It is, uh, you know, the the natural world is a character in the book. It's one of the main characters. But it's also a lot about Blair's experience being often the only woman for miles in a very masculine environment. Not just because, um, like, the North is, you know, you think, I think about, like, what is it, Shackleman or Shacklemore or whatever? Like, the... Ex- Shackleton. Yes, thank you. Shackleton. Like, the explorers who went North are all very, like, dudely. But it's still kind of, you know, it's still... <laughs> they're, they're, they're doodly with their big fur stuff. Uh, but it's still kind of like that. So she would be, you know, she was 19, 20, 21 years old, stuck on a glacier with 20 men. And, like, that caused some stuff to happen. And so she's dealing with that a lot. And then she... um Still, after she leaves that job as a tour guide uh, in Alaska, she goes. She finds herself returning to Norway every year, going back to Norway every year, um, because she just loves it so much and is using the landscape as a method um, and, like, learning how to survive on her own in the north. She's using that as a way to work through some of the stuff that happened to her uh, earlier on in her uh, young adulthood. So <clears throat> if, if you like, do- like, the stuff about the dog sledding was really fascinating to me. It's, it's so involved and, like, takes so much more... Uh, I mean, it's obvious. I know I did not think I was not under the impression that it was like strapping dogs to a cart and away you go. But it's like even more the stuff that it takes to to survive and like you get sunburn up your nostrils and like the stuff you have to do to keep the dogs healthy. What? I know because the sun reflects off the oh, snow. Oh, because it reflects off the yeah. ice, right? And right, you can you right. get like sunburn in your armpits from the sun going up your sleeves. So you have to what? like put sunscreen on all the weirdest parts of yourself. <laughs> So those little things about, like, what it takes to survive and the day-to-day life of her living. When she lives in Norway, she moves in with, um, like, a an old man who owns, like, the only store for miles, like, the only country village for miles. And, like, the food that they eat, like, the frying of whale meat and 
the people who live in rural Norway, how it's so different from the people who like live in Oslo and what they, their opinions about like seal hunting, all that kind of stuff. It's just really fascinating. So the Great White North is very much a character, uh, natural world character in this book. So that's uh, Welcome to the Goddamn Ice Cube by Blair Braverman. All right, I picked The Tiger by John Valent, which is kind of like if a journalist went looking for Shere Khan in Russia. Uh, I just watched The Jungle Book, so Shere Khan has been on my mind. Um, But no, so this is a true story. Uh, John Valent is a journalist, and in 1997, there was a man-eating tiger like patrolling around a village in the far east of Russia. Um, And the tiger seems to have like a method to its attacks. Like it's not just attacking anyone, it's attacking specific people. Uh, So he goes and interviews people um, about this, this, uh, this tiger. He looks into the history of the area. So like the native tribes and then the settlers in the early 19th and 20th centuries. Um, And then like looks at the, the tiger trade, you know, the like, fur trade and all of that impact, and then this, like, modern sort of terrorizing animal and why, how it had, this whole situation has happened. Uh, so it's a really intense look at, like, man and nature's relationship to each other and how that relationship can get just warped beyond all what seems to be possible. Uh, it was really intense. It was really fascinating. I read it, like, I was just like, I had my nose stuck in this book because I was like, what? I mean, it's really, he does a great job of making it informative, but also like keeping you really engaged in what is going on. Um, And one of the main characters is a poacher who gets killed by the tiger. And so like, it's a really interesting thing because obviously you're not going to be super sympathetic to a man-eating tiger, (laughs) but then also like poachers are not great either. So it's a really, there's a lot of like, complex characters, I guess is how I want to say it, um, in this book. So that is The Tiger by John Valent. And yeah, that is got a lot of nature in it. Nature is read in Tooth and Claw and in this book for sure. Mm, yes, indeed. All right. And that's our show. We 45 <laughs> minutes. Look at that. See, I, think, I was going to say, we could maybe almost go up to eight next That's what time. I was thinking. Like, oh, all right. Yeah. We'll work through that backlog. We <laughs> will. Jazz hands. Okay. So thank you so much to our sponsors for sponsoring the show. If you like the show, or I guess if you don't, whatever, floats your boat, please leave us a review. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Make the show easier to find. You can find us on social media. I'm at I'm Amanda Nelson uh, everywhere. And Jen is at Jen IRL, Jen with two N's. Uh, and we will talk to you all next week. 